Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Ed, so it's been a couple weeks since we talked, man. Uh, you got to experience all kinds of stuff we just talked about. You did this Oktoberfest thing. Oof. I mean, it, <laughs> it sounded like it was a riot, man. Uh, it is a, that is a party. I mean, I haven't been to Mardi Gras or anything, you know, the other major known parties. And we didn't go to Munich, which is the main Oktoberfest. We went to Mainz. But man, it, it it was it was great. It was a good time. <laughs> so with that though, I mean, here in a, a couple of weeks, you're gonna have the rest of the uh, you're gonna have the siblings there, the clan, the Haley clan is gonna be together, and I mean, basically, y'all are trying to take over Ireland, from what I understand, huh? Yeah, it's time for the uh, so we do the annual sibling Haley sibling throwdown. And this year, because German ovens are small, so I'm not really buying that Hansel and Gretel story. Uh, German ovens are small, so to counter that, we decided to take a trip. So we're going to go to Ireland um, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving through the Saturday. And we're going to have our family throw down in Ireland over some pints of Guinness and at a local restaurant. And uh, it should be fantastic. And it's my first Thanksgiving with my nephew. He was there last year, but I was not. So, oh, okay, all right. So, with this, I mean, it, it's kind of funny that it, you know that's about to take place, right? And we we we've been talking about this charisma thing and how charisma works, and we you know we we started off with one element of being presence, and then we we talked about last week power, and then this week is about warmth, and I couldn't help but like actually think about this. I mean. You're gonna have the group together. It's gonna, you know, it's that family that that feeling that you get when you're around family, most likely, where it's it's a good time. You get on each other's nerves. You laugh. You cry. You know, all these different things, and it's almost like you're gonna have that warmth, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah. So it's my favorite time of year. I honestly, we really haven't done a major Christmas celebration since we've been empty nested. So. uh this is like the point of the year I look forward to every year. Like we do t-shirts and we have other traditions and the rousing if with each other and, you know, them picking on me and me laying the smack down on them. Yeah. It, it is such an amazing time. Like, uh, and we've had guests over the years, people who, you know, they couldn't be if their families and we've involved them. And I, I feel like everybody's always enjoyed it, but this year, yeah, this year's going to be different. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, sure is. I mean, first is you're going to be in a totally different country. And then you said you're going to be at a restaurant when you do this. Yeah, we're going to do a restaurant this year. So, but I mean, you know, we, we talked about visualization before, Brian. And for me, this is one of those things that this time of year is something I like to visualize. Like if I'm having a rough patch or just in a bad mood, this is one of those things that, um, I can use the visualization techniques we've talked about before to help kind of snap me out of it. Is, is this uh time, like this family time, it, it just, it means a lot to me. To be, to be completely honest, Ed, I, I'm kind of the same way when it comes to this type of year, I like, 
I enjoy like Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I I've always loved it. Even when I was a kid, though, that's what's weird. I, Christmas, you kind of I don't know. I think you kind of grow. You go in and out of spurts of Christmas being fun, but it's it's that Thanksgiving holiday that's really you know I don't know. Maybe it's the because I have a love for food. I don't know, but <laughs> I just enjoy being around a lot of people and all the different foods and just you know it's just one of those times that it's I I truly enjoy. And it when I said that warmth, it's like. That's kind of how I feel. It's just like you feel complete more, you know, and this is this will probably be uh, so since I've been with Michelle, uh, this will be the fourth time that I've been away. And so this would be the fourth time that I had to miss one of these. And yeah, it, it it's definitely one of those things where uh, I pull closer to those around me kind of thing. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I know, like, for instance, here, I think we're actually we're serving uh, food actually on Thanksgiving. Like at the defect, oh, so wow. we'll see. We'll see how things work out. Yeah, it's a little bit different because you know in the states it's different. Usually you do it like the day before Thanksgiving, oh, yeah. and then everybody disperses and go in different ways. So, yeah, I don't know if they do it like that there, but yeah. And and, and to tell you the truth, man, I even took every anybody that was on the duty roster for my my CQ of my barracks, and I put my name on there. I just like, what else am I going to do? You know. So uh, one of my and then one of my uh, one of my guys that works for me. Uh, you know, one of the seniors, he's also, he took the runner off there and he jumped on there. And so we're just going to, I mean, we're just going to hang out, man. Probably, I'm probably going to steal a bunch of pumpkin pie because I really like pumpkin pie and just sit around and eat and get fat for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, leadership capital, Brian, leadership capital. That's what you just did. Yeah. I mean, and, and who knows? Maybe I'll do it at Christmas too. So it's not like a, you know, I mean, most likely I'll, uh, do a video chat with my wife and children. So, you know, at least I'll still see them. So it doesn't matter where I'm at just as long as I got to see them. Yeah. I mean, and it means a lot that, so that's going into warmth. Like, so it means a lot to those soldiers when you do stuff like, cause I can remember being in Iraq on Christmas, uh, a young specialist. And I remember all the seniors kicked us out of the guard towers and they pulled guard duty that day so that we can just whatever, go to the chow hall hang out, yep. talk to our loved ones. But I remember like, like here we are, we're talking yeah, 15 years. And it, it, I like, I can feel the warmth of that right now. Not just the leadership that it showed, but the mm-hmm. actual, they really care about us. And I think that plays well into what we're going to talk about today. I think you're right, man. So I, I don't really think we should uh, waste much time with it either, because there's a lot of material to cover. Um, everything that I reread over again, like not too long before we, we got on, I was, I was literally standing in the line of the commissary because it was rather lengthy and I'm just reading through it again and just kind of like re-highlighting things in my mind <laughs> of what to talk about. I'm like, man, this is a lot of stuff. So we got to get after it right now. Uh, I, I'm going to start it off right here. Let's get after it. <laughs> yeah. All right. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about three components of personal charisma. Uh, first, we explored presence and giving people your full attention. Then we cover power and demonstrating the confidence that you can affect the world around you. And now today, we're going to discuss the element of magnetism called warmth. And I can definitely say, Ed, that this is one of those things that it's either, this one's not easy to just fake. And and we're going to talk about that because there's some people that they fake this and they don't realize that other people notice it. You know what I mean? Like you can, you can 
you can almost feel just give it a little bit of time and you'll know if somebody's actually that 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 feeling of warmth coming from someone that we're going to describe if it's natural or it's sincere or it's completely fake so we'll see what happens so so at face value brian when i saw this as one of the um components of charisma this is the one that I immediately was like, yep, that's my weakness. Mm-hmm. But after reading the article, I don't, I mean, it's not my biggest strength of all of them, but I also don't think it's as weak as I believe before. And hopefully somebody listening to this is going to realize, you know what? That's not a, a big weakness for me as I thought, because I really thought this was the one mm-hmm. that was like, yep, I don't do this at all. But after reading the article, I think, uh, I think maybe, you know, I'm okay. I, I think I think you're about right. Uh, so right here it says, just like power and presence, warmth is essential for balancing the other elements, and also cannot produce true magnetism on its own. A man with power or woman, but not warmth, will come off as cold, arrogant, and aloof. Or a person with warmth but not power will be perceived as weak, eager to please, and desperate for approval. Now that that you know. When I when I read that the first time, I, I actually, as I was reading it, I was placing different faces of people that I've known for years as being like that. It's somebody, someone who has, you know, they have power, but no warmth. And it just, you're just like, you know what? I don't like talking to that person because they're cold or they're arrogant or they're aloof. And the arrogant ones, usually the ones that stick out. That's what sticks out the most with that. But then mm-hmm. you think about those ones that are trying to be warmth and they try to act genuine and, and caring, but they have no power to them. They're, they're kind of like that pushover, you know what I mean? And you, you get this sense of weakness. You get that sense of basically like they're, they're people pleasers. They're trying to please those around them, you know, and, and always trying to seek approval. So they're always telling you all these wonderful things to do so you, so you can tell them how great they are, you know, or how good they are, you know, stuff like that. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so actually, it's funny because the uh, warmth but no no power or not power, that one reminds me of the science of likability. Be likable, not yes. liked. So that is that person who feels that I need to be liked. That's them right there. They have warmth. They want to be light, but they do not have power. So, you know what I mean? Like we talked, we talked in depth about that, and I think that's actually an excellent kind of connection between an earlier episode and today oh yeah 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 oh yeah you know and i just mentioned earlier you know that it's that warmth is kind of it's one of those ones it's hard to fake because you can really tell and then they talk here they said but people are pretty good at sniffing out fake warmth and in fact have a natural tendency to positively recoil when they think you're offering the counterfeit variety I can tell you from personal experience, personal experience, when I've noticed people are being that fakish warmth type thing, that's when I'm on my guard the most, the most, where I don't, I don't, uh, as we've said it before, I, as a matter of fact, I was telling my wife about this because she was wanting to, some advice about doing a group discussion and I was telling her about the arena and, and how we used to talk about it. the arena is basically, it's the area with everybody around you knows everything in it. Right. So if I throw in that I like, you know, football and I I enjoy doing this with my kids and I like running and I like to listen to Taylor Swift on the side. So I threw all that in the arena and now people know that stuff about me. I feel like when I notice somebody's being fake, 
and I can, it, it, you could just, it's just that feeling. It's like, wait, that just doesn't seem genuine. You tend to re, you know, restrict yourself from adding things into the arena because you don't want that used against you because you literally feel like they're only acting this way because of personal gain. They're seeking personal gain. Do you, have you ever felt that way? Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, it, it's for their own benefit. It's not really, um, you know, genuine, I guess is really what it boils down to. And you, you do notice that like, it's just, uh, what do they call it? Buttering you up. They're just buttering you up, but they're buttering you up for a reason. So the warmth is them buttering you up. And then they come back behind and say, well, can you pull my CQ on Saturday? Like, mm, yes, it was something in it for them. It wasn't about genuine warmth. And just doing just doing it out of the blue for someone, you know. And and I've got some I've got some examples of things that I may I'll bring up throughout um, that have kind of hit upon that. But right here, this one: warmth backfires when people can tell you're offering it for one reason and one reason alone to get something from them. Hence, our distaste for salesmen who lay the warmth on thick for the sake of trying to close <laughs> the deal. <laughs> you know, that's it. You know. Carpetbaggers, they call them, or the the, the sneaky, uh, what do they call this, uh, snake oil salesmen. And we're not referring to snake oil salesmen. Yeah, we, we're, we're not, but we, we got to be careful because we also offer, the, you know, the the snake oil beard bomb for bearded ninja. So that's a totally different. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but And there's his mention. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. Uh, it's not that you shouldn't want things from other people. Pretty much the whole point of charisma is to influence others to do something, whether that's getting them to buy a product, go on a date, or serve a cause with passion. Rather, it's simply that influencing them can't be your only motive. Right there, okay? And this, I Ed, when I read this, man, this is exactly like this is exactly what I'm talking about, man. When we're what we're doing, you and I, the whole point behind this. That that sentence, it's simply that influencing them can't be your only motive. That from the get go, when we started doing this, our only motive was it had nothing to do with, uh, in you know, like influencing for our gain. It was always about let's share, let's share, let's share. We enjoy doing this, and that's to me that's like that's for others. So if somebody listens to this, and we talked about this, you know, a couple of episodes. Shoot, we've talked to it many episodes to give others something else that they can use. And if you get nothing back, I don't care because it was a gift. That's the whole point behind it. For warmth to come off as genuine, it must be rooted in something deeper than a purely selfish motive. It must spring from your own contentment with life. Now that contentment with life. You, too many times people are not content enough with their life. So to get ahead, they feel like they have to use other people to help get them ahead. Uh, Simon Sinek says it. some corporate or organizations have it wrong. They use you to get ahead instead of putting you before them, in which to me makes perfect sense. If I put you before me, then everything is better no matter what. But if I use you to get myself, spring myself up, Sooner or later, you're going to move and I'm going to fall. Yeah, no, this is, this is, so this is making me think we were talking about the holiday season and Thanksgiving. And, you know, uh, I said a lot of people have attended our little sibling throwdown, but 
Like I'm talking like soldiers have come, uh, warrant officers who didn't get to go home with their family, you know, senior NCOs who didn't get to go home with their families. But I never did that like, okay, so this is going to help get me promoted. You know what I mean? I did it because I didn't think it was right that they weren't going to be with their families. So that to me, that conveyed kind of a genuine warmth. I cared about them. It wasn't, it was mm-hmm. never, well, you know, Brian makes a mean sweet potato pie. So I need to invite Brian. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm, I'm kind of seeing the, the vision of as you, as you do this. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a genuine thing. Also our evaluations, you know, we have leaders out there to do things for their evaluations, mm-hmm. right? They want to be able to put these things on there, but at the end of the day, that's their own selfish motive. When in reality, to show genuine warmth, they should just be doing these things. And then somebody should say, hey, you know, I'm going to put this on your evaluation after the fact. Not you going, OK, if I do this, mm-hmm. that'll get on my evaluation and help me. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I just. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It just it was all all that was running through my mind here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. That's the thing is I've always and I don't know. There's no need to sit there and brag about what you've done to get somebody to watch you more. Or say, hey, make sure you watch me so we can get this on an evaluation. And and there may be people who disagree with me in my thought process on this. This is just how I look at it. If you don't notice things I'm doing in the background and things are functioning good, and obviously I'm not ragging myself out, you know, like like making myself ragged because I'm working too much and I'm not having people do their job type thing. But what I mean is is things are conducted on a daily basis and things are running smoothly and you don't notice me, then something's being done right. And at the same time, I've always been one of those people. And this is, and I've, I've had, I've had seniors tell me, no, that's not the right way, but I have, I disagree with it. That's just me. I usually like to go ahead and do a draft of what you just said that NCR and go ahead. Let me put what I did because I know me. I know who I am. I know what I did. Let me put in these things and then I'll give it to my reader and say, okay, here you go. And that, that gives them a starting point. One and two, I don't have to worry about all the different things. Oh, well, this, that, and that, you know what I mean? So at the same time, it's, I'm still getting the things I need done. And at this end, I'm, making sure that I don't have somebody watching over my back all the time type thing. Let's just get the, get this stuff done and do it out of, because you want to make something happen. Good. You know, just this week, absolutely. just this week, I'm sitting down um, and we were in, we we're in my office, my commander sitting across from me. And I looked at him, I said, you know, sir, uh, what's your plan? I asked him, I said, what's your plans for the holidays? And he's like, Oh, well, you know, I mean, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, uh, hand out food and stuff like that, you know, at the defect stuff. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I got that. I said, but what are you thinking about? You know, because we have a lot of people that are not going anywhere. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I've been thinking about that too. That We need to kind of have a presence, you know, and just kind of show our faces around where they're living and stuff, especially the barracks. You know what I mean? Cause that's, that's when the, most of the people, those of you who don't know, a lot of the kids that live in the barracks, they're, they're the junior enlisted and you know, they're missing their family. This is probably their first time away from, and it's like, you, you have to like show them that warmth. That's, that's probably to me, that's one of the most key times. And it's not, I don't, I'm not going up there to show my face. So everybody be like, Oh yeah, you know, he's, he's making his NCR look great. No, I don't give a crap about that. That doesn't matter to me. 
what I do care about is one of the things that Ed and I talk about quite a few times, um, and I can go all the way back to early episodes, but it's about that 22 a day and people who fall into depression and things like that. If they know you care about them, mm-hmm. they want to be there with you. You know what I mean? That to me, that's how I feel. What would you say, Ed? Yeah, because I mean, you know, when when they stay, I used to hate that you know soldiers would stay and not get to go home for the holidays. And again, that's where the whole Thanksgiving. I mean, one year, man, twenty seven people in my house. I had a little small house at Fort Campbell, twenty seven people. But you know what? When I was a private, I was that guy that didn't go home for the holidays, and I never forgot that feeling. Because it, it it's easy. And then for me, my thought is that's when dark thoughts start entering your head. You know what I mean? Like, because that's your alone time and it's you and those four walls and your junk food, your video game, maybe it's a go plate from the dining facility, but that's all there is. And, you know, dark things can happen out of that. So I think that's why it's important to have genuine warmth and yes. invite somebody in your home. And you may learn something about that person. So especially you remember the year we deployed together, it was really bad because it was so close to deployment was so close to Thanksgiving that a lot of people did not go home. Oh yeah. 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 Well, you know, and it, yeah, there was a lot, there was a lot that had to be taken care of. Uh, but I think what I was getting with that too, though, is if you're able to draw upon that for, of yourself, it helps you to relate. And we're going to talk about that. That's one of the elements that, you know, to be able to draw upon how you can relate to the individuals helps you be more warm uh, towards individuals. Uh, right here. I just mentioned about contentment with life. Then there's an and. And a real empathy and curiosity about other people. Empathy and curiosity. And that's what I was getting at is if you can relate through your empathy for them. It helps you. And then a curiosity. Like, do you really want to know about them? You you would be shocked to know how many people like that I've talked to, and it's just through general conversation, that I find out that their child is autistic also. And it's like, wow, this is just, you know? And then you start relating stories and stuff, and you create a connection. And most of the time, it's about, you know, like it's usually funny stories, you know, or real good stories and stuff like that. And you're like, you know what helps you relate to them and helps you to, uh, to, to have that warmth and that, that empathy. And you become more curious about them and you talk to them and stuff. And we talked about in science of likability that you obviously aren't, you don't want to use that information to try to get in the good graces, but at the same time, well, when I'm around, I don't want to be around a bunch of negative Nancy's. And I don't even know who Nancy is, but I hope she's not that negative. But I mean, if you get, you know, you just said to get to know them with that, a man of real warmth enjoys getting to know folks from all walks of life conveys this sense that even if he doesn't get from them what he was looking for, he'd still judge the interaction to have been worthwhile. A man of real warmth is one who feels that crossing paths with another person is never a true waste. I couldn't agree more, you know, get to know as many people as you can. And I think that helps to, you know, that whole curiosity and relating. Once you get to know more people, it's just, you create this community type of thing. And what's even funnier, like, especially with the army, you stick around the, the people within your job set or your skill set, 
But it's funny how you can also meet other people from an outside of your skill set. And then down the road, you start running into other people who knew that person. And then so it's like, it's almost like the Kevin Bacon game, but it's in the army instead. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yes. Uh, what's it? Six degrees? Yeah. 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 Seven degrees. This is Kevin Bacon. Yeah, yeah. And, and the army is, that's when you realize how small the army is too. I know I've, you know, you've, I, well, you and I currently, there's somebody I work with that knew you way back when, um, you know, and it's like, oh, that's that's weird, but okay. Um, you know, the guy <laughs> we I went to Oktoberfest with, him and I, <laughs> the guy that I went to the Oktoberfest with, him and I were stationed together at Fort Hood 11 years ago, and then we reconnected here. Well, I worked with another guy who I didn't realize knew my buddy that I knew from Hood. So it was like, oh, wait a minute. We're going to Oktoberfest together, and we didn't even realize it. So. Yeah, uh, it's those little small connections that are, you know, interesting about talking, just talking to other people over here. I, I like talking to other people. I, I think it's interesting. I think the different cultures are super interesting. You know, today's a holiday here. It's uh, All Saints Day, I think is what they call it in Germany. To me, it's an interesting holiday. We, we you know, we had Halloween yesterday when we were before the day before we record this, obviously. And. Uh, All Saints Day, they basically are going to go visit their relatives who have passed already, and they go and they light candles at the gravesides and and things like that as part of the celebration. So interesting. Also a day off for work for me, but all very it was just interesting to me, and I like talking to the German um, people that I work with about it. And I mean, if you think about it, Dan, it's just it's it's funny how you know you start connecting the dots with other people, and I, I don't know, I I've enjoyed. Um, you know, did all the different walks of life that I've gotten to meet just over the past 21 years. I want to say also, though, it kind of teaches you uh, not to burn bridges because when you start burning those, then, you know, obviously, and that's the opposite of what we're trying to get here. That's the opposite of the charisma. That's the opposite of the three areas of, you know, presence, power and warmth is when you start burning bridges and you destroy relationships to continue to build upon that though, let's, let's look at how we're going to actually be developing warmth within. Now we've actually did a whole show once on gratitude. So I don't want to dive too deep into gratitude other than I think there's a simple, simple, easy way to uh, develop that gratitude. And it and is a starting point. You know, we're taught this early on, Ed, you said it yourself in many, uh, a couple of different shows before it's, what our parents have taught us since we were little of what do you say? Thank you. Or say hello mm-hmm. or uh, say you're welcome. Things like that. Those small, those small little instances, those small little words, I think help us build upon gratitude. And then it turns into an automatic thing. Well, and then people notice that, oh, well, I like talking to Ed because he always says thank you to me or he always he says you're welcome or you know, he says hello to me each day. And it's just doing those small things, I think, help you build up your gratitude. It's like you can't you can't just have gratitude. And oh well, wow, he's got a lot of gratitude. No, you have to kind of build into it and it just grows, if so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so I told you I was reading the uh the the charisma myth book too, and when this is one of the things she talks about. And then this article it's in here and it's in the book where it talks about that uh to help cultivate your gratitude, make it a practice to write down what you're grateful for every day. Goes back to when we talk about the master resilience training course, 
where we talk about um, mm-hmm. hunt the good stuff, something that happened good to you. And so this, that is a tool to use is what are you grateful for? You know, I remember maybe it was a couple of years ago, leading into Thanksgiving, there was like this 30 day challenge every day. You had to write something you were thankful for. So basically have gratitude for, and it makes you think, and then it really does enlighten you. You're like, wow, like I'm very fortunate, you know? So a simple exercise is writing down things you're grateful for could just really impact not not only your uh, level of gratitude, but your mood and how you feel about yourself and how you feel about your life. So it, it, it was a good yeah. tool. Um, and, I, you know, in the audio book, she was talking about it. So, you know, we, we've talked about like how we, we each week we're trying to do something from this. I kind of jumped ahead and already started trying to do that. And the gratitude is one of the ones that I try to do. So for instance, today I was feeling a little pinch on something that, you know, it just, it was weighing heavy on my mind. And, you know, sometimes if you feel pinched a little bit or like you, you have to get something done and, and you're trying to figure out all the different steps and, you know, make sure you hit all these things, you kind of get yourself into a bit of a spiral, right? And, and you talk about an MRT too, that downward spiral. Before, and I was sitting in my car and I was getting ready to get out of it. Before I got out of the car, I told myself, you know what? Hey, just just say hello and tell people to have a good day, you know? So, and this is from my car to the door, to basically door to my office. Every single person that I passed, and it was probably, I think it was about like eight or nine people that I passed. I asked them how their day was. And then I finished it off with, I hope you have a wonderful day. And I just kept going. And they probably thought like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, you know, because I said it to every single person. Just because it's like, you know what, I've got to help, you know, I've got to get myself, you know, in the right mindset to be able to deal with things. And I, I truly believe that the, when you start that downward spiral, the negative thought process, you'll only think about uh, negative outcomes instead of positive outcomes. So you can actually build upon the decision making process. So my question to you is, did you notice a difference? Did you notice it altering how you felt or, you know, your mood for the day. I, I think it did. Yeah, it it really did. And to tell you the truth, as I was doing it, I was trying to notice those individuals too, to be be more mindful uh, during the situation, each one. And some of like, they would smile or they would laugh or just, you know what I mean? And, and or because I didn't say the same way every day. I said, make sure you put a smile on today because, you know, you can carry that throughout the day and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just funny because you think about it too, like in my position, People tend to do things because I, I have to tell them to do something, but that's not, they don't have to smile if I say, hey, you need to smile. They, they do it because they're like, wow, I can't believe somebody want to engage me like that. You know what I mean? Like, that, and, yeah. and that's the whole point. It's like, why, if you're a person in a position of power, which we've talked about, and you want to have presence around people, why not have them ask them, hey, are you having a good day? I hope you have a good day. Or ask them to smile, hey, make sure you smile today or, you know, whatever. It changes their mind frame. Even if for if it's for a couple minutes, you give them that much joy for a couple minutes. That's all. Now I got it. There are times when you know uh, that take a total seriousness. People are frowning, whatever, whatever. I I just don't find as much pleasure in that as is like, hey, I hope you have a good day. You know, whatever. And I, to tell you the truth, out of probably those eight or nine people, I only knew like two of them. So they were the rest are all completely strangers. <laughs> So we we just I just kind of picked apart a little bit about the gratitude thing. I think with that though, the next one we're gonna kind of get into is developing that empathy we talked about. And 
I really believe that this particular one, it all has to do with, I, I think it has to do with how you relate to them because you've kind of gone through the same thing or you've learned to adapt your mind frame to, you know, go through the same thing uh, as they went through. So <laughs> this is so funny. It, and we'll look we'll look at the top part first and then we'll get to the bottom part where it talks about your brother and sister. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt called empathy fellow feeling and argued that it was the most important factor for a healthy political and social life. It's also an important factor in developing charismatic warmth. People want to feel understood and empathy is what allows us to put ourselves in their shoes and feel what they feel. So here in a minute, it talks about think of other people as your brothers and sisters. So I got a funny story for you. No joke. All right. I just talked to my my kids this morning after they went trick or treating. Um, they they went so obviously I'm a I'm a day ahead of them and they just finished trick or treating and then talking to me and my son all of a sudden out of nowhere he says oh and we went by your brother's house and my wife she says what do you mean his brother and Ethan goes. Yeah, it was his brother's house. And I I already knew what he was talking about because he hears me all the time. Um, and I want to say it was one of the guys that worked at the Academy. I'm pretty sure I know which one it was. Yeah, I, I think it was Blanket Chip, by the way. Um, and he's heard me call you guys brother. Like, thanks, brother. Well, one day, no joke, he looked at me and he said, Dad, you've got a lot of brothers. I said, I sure do, buddy, and sisters too. And I don't think he understood it at the moment. So at one point, I think he actually thought all of you were my brothers. So that's my little Ethan story about <laughs> as your brother and sisters. <laughs> so, yeah. I, but I think same. that's an excellent way to have a mis. That's an excellent misunderstanding, though. I think that's that's a great frame of uh, of reference for him and a and a great thought process, though, for him to think like that because you're teaching him that. Everybody can be my brother and sister, which goes into uh, what we're talking about here today on this uh, empathy. Exactly. Right. You know, it's just, so think of everyone as your as your brother and sister. If you think about it, it's, it's one of those things where when I see somebody else, I actually feel like they're my brother or my sister. You know what I mean? Like and especially in the service, you know, as well as I do. So there, there may be people who are listening uh, that uh, they they don't they don't really know what it's like when you, when you're a service member like how close you are with people and they they can, the best way i could relate it to somebody who's never served would be just think about it like your best friend or your actual blood brother that you're really you're actually close with that's kind of like what it is with us you know because when you think about it man like the things that you go through the things that you deal with there there are some conversations that are had between two two men or a man or two women or a man and a woman or whatever in the service that are probably not even had with their real family and that's how close the connection is so that's that's why I'm able to like that particular one to be able to relate is that's my brothers and sisters absolutely so one of the examples uh when I when I have to do is like for instance sharp training and whatnot the, the um basically you know sexual harassment sexual assault training basically I like to, I, I, I usually like to reference is, is this. You think about if something happened to your brother and sister or sister by somebody else, would that not anger you? And then I, I like to go further on and say, well, then 
it's our duty to stop something that we may we may see happening to one of our brothers and sisters because that's who they are, you know, and it kind of puts you in a different mindset, I think. So uh, what are your thoughts on that, brothers and sisters, man? Yeah, well, you know, in the Army, there's a reason that we have that saying that we are a band of brothers and sisters, you know, and and I've heard that throughout my career when you talk about Sharp, and, you know, um, because that's uh, there is a there's a special bond with your brothers and sisters, and then there is a special bond between you and you know your peers or your subordinates or whatever in, in the military. It's and it you know you think about it, uh, you know we work twelve hours a day or more side by side with this person. So in some instances, especially when you're gearing up for like a deployment or something like that, you're spending more time with those people then you are your your actual family so mm -hmm. that bond you can't fight that bond you know what i mean so right it helps in understanding what they're experiencing and what they're going through yeah it does it really does help out um and you're exactly right too cuz when you spend that many hours a day you you tend to learn stuff about people sometimes you just don't want to know either so <laughs> and uh, blame me i've some stories <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> I think this next one that he talks about with the empathy thing, uh, this definitely falls in your little neck of the woods uh, with the whole interacting face to face more unless, you know, through the electronics. I think, yes, the way we're able to connect face to face that helps out. You want you want to hit upon that a little bit? Yeah. So we're talking about interacting. It says basically it says interact with people face to face. And then it provides some science. According to a study that has been tracking this since 1979, college students are 40 percent less empathetic than their counterparts 30 years ago. So, you know, the author argues, well, what's the decline? And the author argues they can be traced to the fact that we're interacting less face to face and more as disembodied cells online. So in my footprint where I work, it's much easier for somebody to shoot an email. Mm -hmm. um, they don't even like to use the phone. People don't even like to call each other on the phone, much less face-to-face. -face. So for me, I try sometimes. If my email don't get answered, I might call and then go face-to-face. -face, but more often than not, I'm going to actually flip with step two and three. I emailed. I didn't get an answer. I'm just going to go. It's just easier, and I get steps. And... <laughs> That face-to-face -face interaction is very hard. So you can blow me off on the phone, right? You can blow me off through email. It's really hard to hide your feelings and blow me off if we're face-to-face. -face. And that's just how it is. Um, I We work one of the other sections. Somebody has their vacation message on all the time. It never comes off. Um, they change the dates, but that's it, right? So basically, every time you email them, it says, hey, I'm, I'm TDY. Well, that's not the truth. And then when you call, they will not answer the phone. Like I have literally called from the office across from them just to check this. <laughs> they won't answer the phone because they're busy uh, and they don't want to deal with you. But meanwhile, I'm waiting on information that prevents me from moving forward in my day for whatever planning purpose. And you're in your office just ignoring people. So it's hard for you to do that if I start coming, if I just come in your office. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I'm a bigger fan of face to face. And I'm also old enough that I've seen the decline in face-to-face -face contact. So yeah, it's so much easier just to shoot an email. Even in the Army, I remember when everybody didn't have a computer. Uh, so you couldn't just shoot an email. And this was only maybe 15 years ago. Now everybody has a computer. You know what I mean? Like every private, 
has a computer in 2004, 2005, if you weren't a sergeant or a lieutenant, you didn't have a computer. You had to be at least a sergeant. So it changes yeah. that interaction, right? Yeah. I, so it's funny you say that. I still got some like the the um, the 2.5 floppy disks. I still have some at home with counseling statements on them. <laughs> See, <laughs> yeah because you didn't have a computer to yourself so you had to have a way to save it and and it, it wasn't like the laptops then or the computers then had a lot of space on them so it was like you go to supply and you go sign out some uh the the fl- they called them floppy yeah. disks. Uh-huh. I, I, there were the the smaller yeah. versions and like i have a like an actual case of them and i mean it makes me want to like get a like find an old disk drive and see if I can connect it to my computer and plug it in, you know, set, try to read some of the stuff I wrote back. Well, then. before the army outlawed them. Yeah. Yeah. Before the army outlawed them, I actually still have my one gig, which was a huge deal. Thumb drive <laughs> with my leader's book on it and some other oh, information. Yeah. The problem with it is I don't remember the password. <laughs> like, you know, I thought I was hot stuff. I had a thumb drive with a passport or password. And when you enter the password, a little vault showed on the screen and opened up. Yeah, I don't remember the password, but I know the thumb drive because it's a little red one that still says Sergeant yeah, or a Specialist Haley on it. All right, so, <laughs> all right, so this very next one, this one, uh, he he put they put in this. I I don't know if it's true or not. Um, he talks about read more fiction. It's supposed to help you with empathy. Uh, he says studies, studies show that reading fictional literature expresses the mental muscles that strengthen empathy. I, I don't know if that's real, but that's the, this, here's the, the spin on it. I don't read fiction. I've heard that it's good to read fiction every once in a while to help and just basically help stimulate the brain and stuff. Um, and the crazy thing is, is I watch a lot of stuff. You know, I mean, that's you know, that's fiction based, science fiction, whatever. Like, I love Star Wars. I, you know, I I like this new Star Trek Discovery. I enjoyed Game of Thrones. I mean, I love. I mean, goodness, I love all it is to be comic books wise because I love how it explores the mind and stuff. Um, but I think I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to actually try that part, Ed. Just to, I want to see if that actually. Because, but then again, I have to say. I did used to like reading like uh, like uh, zombie Armageddon type books uh, when I was there was uh, when I was employed one time I read like a series of three different books and it was pretty good but I didn't notice it you know doing you know helping me with my empathy at all it's just it was it was entertaining I know that so um, now your wife she's really big into fiction stuff yeah I, that's weird that fiction thing I don't know yeah. She, I was getting at it. it was your wife, Tam. She's she's really big into fiction stuff. Now, do you? Now, and and she has a big heart. We know that. You know, um, you said you said she cries easy sometimes, right? Yes. Do you, yes. do you think all, which is not a flaw? No, 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 no. I'm not saying no, not at all. She and she she just has a tender heart. I'm wondering if I mean maybe uh, maybe you should talk to her sometime about it to find out if she thinks reading all the fictional helps her connect more with people. I, I don't know. I just I've never I've never related that. I've never thought of it like that either. I mean, so I do read some fiction, but unfortunately, the fiction I read is Dan Brown or Brad Meltzer, which is really based on history. So it's still it's fiction, but it's not especially Brad Meltzer. It's fiction, but it's not fiction. Um, so 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, he, yeah, he writes differently. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I guess. I mean, there's science to back it up. So, I mean, I'm not one to argue against the science of it, but it'd be interesting. Uh, <laughs> it's. I have. I have too much of my reading list to attempt to read fiction right now. But that's how uh, I feel. Yeah, I, I'm. You know, I'm gonna have that discussion with her. I'm gonna ask her. Yeah. That's- that's how I feel too. It's like my reading list is so big and I'm trying to like cram so much different stuff into it that it's like, ah, can I really fit that in there? So maybe I'll have to just kind of tell myself, but you know what though? Didn't Jocko talk about that once though, that he likes to throw in fiction every once in a while. I'm pretty sure I've heard him say something about that. I don't, I don't recall. I'm sure he does though. I mean, he reads so much and no, I do remember. No, he, no, he, I do remember now. It was it was something about um, it was it was on one of his shows and he was talking about the Hackworth book about face and then something happened and somebody had him read something else to get his mind off of like no like all the normal stuff or or like the real life stuff and he said he picked up this book and he just this other book and he just loved it and I can't remember the name of the book now. But I remember him talking about it uh, during one of his podcasts that he did have, and he's he finds himself now doing it every once in a while, just grabbing a, a fictional book and reading it. Hmm. It was some time back. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. All right, so hey, here's here's the next one. Uh, here we go. Imagine a different story about the people who annoy you. Oh my goodness, I <laughs> so. I can speak to this one, like no joke. That one, I do I do test that one out. I test that one out on myself and with people around me. And then there's sometimes I forget to actually do this. And then I get, you know, like disgruntled or something. And then I have to kind of like get back out of it. And it, right off the bat, his very first example, I found myself doing this. When you cut someone off while driving, you think to yourself, I hate to have done that, but if I don't get... To this interview on time, I won't get the job. But when someone else cuts you off, you think, what a complete, you know what? <laughs> I've done that so many times and uh, in the past, but as I've, you know, kind of like as I've gotten older, like it's just leave earlier. That's how I am. Like if I didn't leave early enough, then it's my own fault. And I try to let people in front of me and stuff like, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess that's a, that's a part of patience. I'm not sure, but when somebody cuts me off, now I try to tell myself, I wonder if they're running late for something. Well, I hope they make it, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Now, the occasional laying on the horn or whatever that happens. So, but, or if somebody's, I wouldn't say annoying me, but somebody's just kind of, I guess, yeah, getting on my nerves or something. I try to remind myself that I don't know what they're going through right now. I don't know what's in their personal life. I don't know what their finances are sitting like. I don't know all these different things. So I probably should be careful about judging them. And that's that's one of those reminders I like to use. Um, what about you? Do you have anything like that? So it's funny because I'm actually sometimes, I mean, I get a little ridiculous sometimes, but I, sometimes, you know, like the cutting off, my wife will get upset and I'll say, well, I mean, how do you know that maybe this and this isn't going on? Um, so I have done it without even thinking about it. Um, but not a lot, like not all the time. So I, I think this is one I'd like to try. Now I have, um, you know, t- thought about this as far as a, from a leadership perspective, 
Like, okay, well, yeah, that soldier's messing up, but maybe they're having some problems at home because that's what we do, right? We have to peel back the onion. Yes. And to me, this is kind of like peeling back the onion right here. Yes. You know, it's not black and white, you know, cut and dry. So, yeah, I've I've used this. I've seen the great John Rogers use this very effectively Um, because it does help you get to the root of something. But I've never done it with just some random person on the road like that. Like I'll every once in a while, my wife, I'll say something. And usually it's just an, you know, uh, attempt to be the annoying person to her. But uh, (laughs) she doesn't enjoy when I do it. But sometimes I'll say, well, you don't know. Maybe you don't know their struggle. (laughs) No, I, I, you know, I've, I've definitely said the same thing, man. Uh, and I think, you know, when you said that, uh, when you, you're counseling someone or you're, you're, you're trying to discuss things with, uh, somebody, especially in the service with us, when we have to, do, uh, counseling and whatnot, you, you tend to want to pry into their business a little bit, but you do it in a manner that's like you can, you're concerned and, and you're generally are. You can always tell a certain type of leader, though, that who does it in a manner that's not as forceful, but more like, hey, hey, everything okay? Why don't you sit down and talk to me a minute? I mean, it just seems like you're a little off, you know, things like that. When you say words like that, they, you know, they tend to want to come, you know, come back at you Mm -hmm. um, and show you that, you know, hey, there is something going on. And you're right. Exactly. When you said, hey, you know, that soldier seems to be having a hard time today, um, obviously, there's got to be something going on with them. To me, if I'm noticing that, I'm approaching them. I'm going to say something to them, but I'm not. But not in a manner that's like threatening. You know what I'm saying? Like it needs to be welcoming, and yeah, that no. creates that wall. I think it's important to yeah, it's important to recognize it too, right? Oh, absolutely. Because you could you could come off with a questioning and be considered intrusive, and now you've t- completely demolished what you're trying to build within, you know, the rapport and, 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 you know, and having that warmth, that's where I think it's, it's, that's, well, we talked about it in the past, the past episode where we're talking about emotional intelligence, you know, you get to be able to kind of observe and be able to kind of relate and whatnot. And we're going to talk about a little bit about reflecting too, like their body position and stuff too. It kind of helps out and you don't always notice it either. But, um, and then this last one, he's talking about being curious about people I think that's a common to me as I went through this whole entire article Ed, and, and I was trying to learn. I think that was like the common theme is being curious about people allows you to have the warmth. Does that make sense? No, a hundred percent makes sense. This is another one that I think plays straight into um, being an influencer and a leader because I need to know what makes my, um, peers and my subordinates and even my superiors, I need to know what makes them tick. Like what is their, you know, I want to know what their triggers are. I want to know what their, you know, feel good moments are. I want, I want to understand that um, to create a better culture or environment where we work at. So I think that that's why this one's really important. Oh, absolutely. All right. So we're going to, we're going to actually jump into the whole conveying warmth to others. And this is, this is where the author goes with this. So if warmth is hard to fake and must be developed from within, what role do outward behaviors play? First, it's possible to have a good heart but be terrible at conveying this kindness to others. You may not even be aware that you're coming off as aloof to others. 
sense. You think of yourself as a good dude. It's important to not only have inner warmth, but to be able to communicate this warmth to those around you. Second, acting warm outwardly enhances how warm you feel inwardly. It's a virtuous cycle. You act warmly towards others, so you feel warm inside, which makes you act more warmly, and so on. In fact, acting warmly will develop your inner warmth more quickly and effectively than thinking your way to empathy ever will. Don't wait until you feel like an empathetic person before you start acting like it. By acting, you become. Work on both your behavior and mindset at the same time. They go hand in hand. Yeah, that's, I think that's, it speaks exactly the truth. It's, you can't just be constantly thinking about it. If you think about it, you're, you're actually going to overdo something. You know, uh, am I acting warm enough? No, it's just, it's a feeling. You have this feeling. If somebody replies a certain way, I just have to know that I need to be able to react to what they're saying and ask either the right question or give them the right type of comment back to comfort them. Now, you know, uh, here, here one of the toughest things I, I could possibly ever say, and I don't know how you feel about this, Ed, and maybe you can tell me. If somebody has a family member that passes away in their name, that's the hardest thing to do is to is to kind of you know, show your you know uh, your gratitude to them and, and tell them how sorry you are for them. I I find that to be one of the hardest things ever because it's like what's the right words you know am i and i don't think we're supposed to i don't know you, you want to comfort them but you also don't want to be intrusive in that same way because you don't want to say something that's going to be offensive and all this stuff and then at the same time you don't not want to say something because then you'll be cold so i always find that that's probably the hardest thing for me personally to show my warmth how about you ed yeah, that is a difficult one. Um, I mean, it's difficult for me within, uh, of, you know, your your family, your traditional family environment. But then for us as non-commissioned officers, now we're talking about our young soldiers. Um, maybe it's the first time they've experienced a death in their family because, I mean, we get them. They're 18, 19, 20 years old, right? So maybe this is their first. Yeah, that is a. And, and I had that experience and I've shared it on here before in Iraq or Afghanistan. And it was rough. Uh, luckily I had uh, Francis who handled it actually well. And she was one of our least empathetic people, but she handled that situation and really bailed me out of a uncomfortable, because again, you want to say, Hey, I know what you're going through because you've probably experienced it, but do you really? You don't know their exact relationship with that person. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so it's very, I can tell you. So my cousin who was my favorite, absolute favorite, even my other cousins would tell you, he passed this year. And for my wife, it's tough. Yes. She wanted to be there for me. She wanted to support me, but she really didn't know what's the words, uh, so she actually went with silence and just um, support, like a shoulder. You know what I mean? And, and that worked for mm -hmm. us because uh, she, she just didn't understand it. Um, you know, it, it's it's so difficult, a thing for the person going through it. But then for you to try to comfort them and you want to so bad, 
You want to be there for them. You want to show that warmth for them. And, and it's, it's hard. It's the, probably one of the hardest things. I agree with you, Brian. Yeah, that one, that one's probably one of the tough ones, but let, let's, let's reverse that about the birth of a child. Like, how do you, how do we show that? So somebody, for instance, somebody, you know, um, them or their spouse had, they had a, they had a, or, or whoever they're with, they had a child, they brought a new life came, you know, how do we show that in the same way? Cause I mean, it's, so death is a sorrowful type thing, but then birth, it's usually, it's easier, isn't it? Oh yeah, for sure. It's way easier to be like, Oh man, that's awesome. Congratulations. And that, yeah, yeah, that's, that's actually very easy, uh, you know, to, to cope with. So yeah, yeah I can see, kind of see what you're saying. It's very much a, you know, a huge difference between the two. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, and where I'm getting at with it is it's finding that middle ground and knowing that there's, there's two extremes and to be able to put yourself and sway back and forth. And you're going to have every once in a while, you're going to have to deal with the two sides of things. You have the, the, the great joy of a brand new child or the, the, the sorry, uh, the, the sorrow of the, the, of a loved one being lost either way. And it's, and it's being able to, you know, I guess be able to run through those peaks and valleys of emotions to be able to relate to someone. But at the same time, it's like, you never know how to react to certain people on certain, because it could be the opposite effect. And I don't know, I don't know any, I've never dealt with this before where someone's like really happy that somebody passed or they're really sad that a baby came. You know what I mean? Like I, I haven't really met people like that, but uh, then again, you know what, there's all kinds of walks of life and, you never know, man. Um, so let's talk about it right here. If you're worried about coming off as fake by acting warmly before you feel it inside, don't be. As long as you at least have a good motive for your interactions, you'll be fine. See right there, a good motive. And that falls back onto, I think it also falls back on earlier when I just mentioned is being curious about people and also wanting to do something for somebody else. The following behaviors, unless you do them awkwardly or exaggeratedly, are very easy to pull off quite naturally. They are small ways to simply put your best foot forward with people. And if they do come off as not well-timed and whatnot, well, then don't worry about it. It's not going to hurt so much, right? Um, so we have a, it goes through here, it talks about, think of yourself as the host. Do, do you do that at all, Ed? Yeah, you want to try to put them. So we do it as non-commissioned officers sometimes, right? So talk to a soldier. Soldier goes to pray, rest. And then sometimes what do we tell them? Hey, just relax. Because you want to, like, loosen the mood a little bit for them, make them a little bit more comfortable. So I'm concentrating on comfort, you know. Um, so we do that in our profession. We do it from time to time. Or you as the first are, and you're talking to them, about a matter you may tell them hey come in their first uh i you know their first thought is to stand there you know at parade rest in front of your desk and you'll be like hey take a seat go ahead no just go sit down Mm -hmm. because you're trying to make them comfortable for the discussion you know what i mean so that's kind of what i think of for what we do like you you just want to put them at ease it's especially if it's a difficult topic you're already you know i'm not saying disciplinary but if it's a difficult thing 
you may want to put them at ease because they're already got enough stress. Why add to it? You know, like let's get them comfortable and then have a discussion. And that that's just where I kind of think of it at as. Yeah, because I tend to, whether people are coming in my office to just talk or they're coming in because we, we had to go over something or they had to come see me because something they, they, uh, they did was bad. They shouldn't have done it. I always tell everyone to have a seat. I just, I feel like, obviously, I mean, even if I'm, well, I can say in this past week, I did bring somebody in my office and chewed them out and we stood standing the whole time. But in most cases, most cases, they sit down and we have a conversation because I think there's, I personally think like when you talk to somebody like that, there's a level of intimacy that allows for um, a respectful nature. One, they can see that you you have respect and also they, they're going to give respect back too because you have that respect for them. Um, at the same time, I think usually when people are sitting down, they tend to get a little bit more honest. They, they're they're less to button their mouths. You know what I mean? Like they they want to talk or yeah, they want to say something. And I think it's because they're comfortable. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like I think if you make them stand there and they're not comfortable in the environment, they're less likely to open up where if you make them comfortable, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's a little easier for them and, and a little more relaxed environment. Then, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I've seen it dozen times like they're going to open up more because of their comfort level and you know it's funny i um i don't know how many times that i had to stand at attention or parade rest in front of somebody whether it be good or bad and all my mind was is man i hope they hurry up because i'm tired of standing like this that's all i kept thinking about i didn't like i probably didn't catch half the stuff that they said yeah much my shoulder really hurts. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, you're not, yeah, and you're it, fiddling with your fingers behind your back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or do I have power? Does this look like a power pose? <laughs> From the last show. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Um, so, it, the next thing he talks about here is lead with a sincere compliment. I, I agree with this. I think. This is definitely something I practice a lot. I personally, my own life that I practice a lot with lots of people. I started with my children and my spouse first. Um, I always try to, you know, lead them with a compliment or whatever. Uh, just the other day, I was I was driving in my car to work and this song came on and it like the words of it were just right. And, you know, like back in our day, Ed, we used to like make mixtapes and give them to people. You remember that? Yes, you spent like 18 hours making a mixtape because you had to record the songs off the radio. Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> now now it's not hard to just build a playlist and then share it with someone. But but I was riding, I was riding in the car and it, it made me think of that because usually you, you make like a love mixtape for your girlfriend and give her to her back in the day. But um, so I'm riding in the car. Yeah, the quiet <laughs> storm. Yeah, the kids... <laughs> Let me back that up a second. The kids nowadays will never know the struggle of making just the right lover mixtape (laughs) (laughs) and getting the songs in just the right order and all that stuff. Now it's just like save as and all this stuff. It's really quick. Back then it's like, man, you had to catch that song at the right time. It might take a week to yeah, build a mixtape. Hope that the DJ, <laughs> hope that the DJ don't talk during the song at all. Or it doesn't, yeah, like like the the song doesn't start while the DJ is still talking, or he doesn't chime in at the end and cut it off. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah. I, <laughs> so I was getting at it was the song came on, and so it was 
it would have been later in the evening, um, my time. Well, when I say later in the evening, uh, I would say more like six or seven. And I heard the song and I was like, as soon as I stopped my car, I, I hit the little button because on my phone, it'll it'll tell me what song it is right off the bat, like real quick. So I and just immediately I sent it to my wife and she she had just woken up and she listened to what I sent her. And she was really, really happy because it was I mean, it was I thought it was real sweet. But to me, it also played into that whole a sincere compliment because it literally the song was about I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for you. That that that's kind of like the whole idea behind the song. And I thought to myself, like, obviously, I'm not going to make mixtapes for my soldiers anytime soon. But I just I think about like how how we relate to people using that empathy. Um, and we try to use a sincere compliment. You know, if it, I would, I don't mind it when people and people do it because they feel like they have to let's say, Hey, hi, first one. How you doing? Have a good day. But if they really want to say hi, or they really want to talk, it doesn't hurt my feelings. I, I'm not the, the most unapproachable person in the world. I know Ed, you're not, you just seem like a big bear, but once, I mean, I'm pretty sure anybody can give you a hug and you'll be, you know, like the teddy bear. But but that whole sincere compliment. That, that's not a fact. <laughs> I was just saying it because I want to see how many people try to come by your office and give you a hug that listen to the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but leading with that sincere compliment towards somebody, I, I think it really helps out. I mean, we could go back to what I was talking about earlier when I said I got I was getting out of the car and each person I passed, I wanted to say something nice to them. And I think it works. I really do. So your thoughts. Yeah. One, there'll be no uh, hug going on. Um, <laughs> absolutely not. But the sincere comment. So I this is one of my weaknesses, Brian. I'm that person. So in in the article, you know, they talk about um being we have a tendency to be stingy with our kindly words so i don't open up with it now if you're doing a great job i'll tell you to do a great job you know but i'm not it's not a free uh flowing thing like i work with all these captains and you know there's there, some of them are really stellar but i'm not going to tell them on a daily basis that they're you know they're stellar performers but maybe that's one that i need to work on too i do give compliments but i'm, I'm a little stingy and I take my wife a little bit for granted. I may, I compliment her, but maybe not as much as I, well, no, not maybe. I don't compliment her as much as she deserves. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where that comes from. But yeah, this is a weakness for me. You know, uh, there's also an opposite side of this that I think turns into fun, not only for you as the person and also the person, person receiving it. So it talks about leading with a sincere compliment. Well, you can, there's other ways. It doesn't just have to be a sincere compliment. It could be a joking manner because you have a good relationship that you're building. So for instance, sometimes I'll look at people and I'll be like, hey, you work out? And it's always funny when you ask somebody, hey, you work out? They'll look at themselves at some point and they'll be like, yeah, you know, I've been going to the gym. And then I like to finish that off with, I could not even tell. Yeah, I uh, that last one is a, is a tad bit odd, my friend. <laughs> if I didn't know you and you just said, "Hey, do you work out?" I'd be like, eh. "But you know, it actually, funny enough, I just told you I had the pleasant experience with uh, Enterprise Rental Car uh, recently in Berlin, and the guy says, "Hey, you look like you work out more than me," 
And it sparked a little conversation and it may have sparked me a free upgrade on my ride uh, instead of a compact car. So, I mean, he started it and he, I sat there and had a discussion with this guy. Maybe it was because of the warmth he showed with that little compliment. He may have reeled me in and, uh, and it sparked that little conversation with his charisma. Exactly, man. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you spark a small conversation because you you know something about someone else probably, or you can you you kind of guesstimate something about them. You know, put more warmth in your voice. I think that's just I think that's just kind of like having that varied voice, and people know you have a varied voice. Um, and when I say that, it's like because some people like to talk aggressively, some people like to talk really, or or they're just naturally talk really really soothing and 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 like for instance, whenever I. Uh, I booked my wife a day at the spa there in Dixon. The the guy that talks to you on the phone, like he's probably the most soothing voice I've ever heard in my life. Like he, I I would call him just to go to sleep because he's just, it's just yeah. How are you? Well, it's good, thank you. <laughs> I called. Well, it'd be wonderful, you know. So it's it's always hilarious when he when you talk to him. He's a real nice guy too. I, I actually met him for the first time when I was home, but. I think how how we relate our voice, how we speak to someone, I think using those different levels of the voice, I think that helps. And now adding warmth to the voice, well, that I mean, you know, they could be like, well, Ed, you know, man, I'm really glad you're here. You know, I threw some emphasis in really, you know, it's just it's how you emphasize certain words sometimes. Now, if if I was just talking to you, I was like, how is your mother? You know, I mean, that. This sounds stupid, but but if I said <laughs> instead, I was like, Ed, how's your mother? You know, and I kind of, I don't know. And then I look at you a certain way, you know, it may show the warmth you need to want to, you know, convey a message back to me. I don't know. But I do think, I think how you convey things through your voice and how you inflict, you know, make the right infliction, I think it helps. I really do. So I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah, I I think that your tone and your pitch, which we learned a lot about working at the uh, at the NCO Academy, the tone and pitch change everything. It can change a complete meaning of a sentence uh, through your tone and pitch. So I agree. Putting more warmth in your voice is an excellent way to demonstrate warmth and improve your charisma. Yeah, definitely. Um, this next one, Ed, uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but it's, it talks about the mirror, their body language. I When I read this, I was kind of like, uh, it almost conflicts with what it was talking about in the power one because it's like you're mirroring somebody and you're not kind of like, you're not being you. That's why like I have a hard time with the whole mirroring the body language. But then again, I mean, maybe you have something that you, you understand something a little bit more than I do. So what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, you know what? I, I'm kind of on board with you with this. So I think it's a slippery slope for one, because if somebody picks up on you mirroring their body language, it could have a, a negative effect. And then it's also a time and place thing. So you have to understand that as well. Um, you know, in the middle of a, a, a disagreement is not the time to be mimicking anything of that person. So it's, it's, I think it's kind of a slippery slope. Um, but it also talks about maybe it's a way of breaking a, a tone. Like, um, 
and, and helping you to deal with somebody who is defensive. But I'm not, yeah, I don't, I'm not really a fan. Yeah, I'm not, not going to lie. I'm a big fan of Olivia Fox uh, Cobain. I'm not a fan of this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then he goes right into, Ed, he goes into relaxing your posture. And I guess I, I could see where this, where he means by this whole relaxing your posture. Like, for instance, um, like if I'm really interested in a story, tend to like, I'll like, I'll basically like grab my knee with both my arms and kind of like lean back a little bit, if that makes sense. That's just kind of like, a, to me, that's like a relax it. Like I'm relaxing back when I'm listening to a story. Um, it's when I start fidgeting and stuff, then you know that I'm not, I'm not really paying attention. But to me, I, I could see how relaxing your posture a bit will help people realize that you're, you're kind of connecting with them. Um, and then it says also opening up your body. Um, I, I sit with my legs crossed uh, quite a bit. And it says, instead of crossing your legs, have them open. I guess it, 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 it sends certain types of signals to people when you're like that. But then again, it's like, I, it, I, I think it's about your comfort and their comfort at the same time. You know, it's are, are you comfortable in the, how you're sitting or standing or whatever and just being yourself? What do you think? So I do believe that there is an importance in nonverbal communication. I can see how both of these kind of play into that. But, you know, I've talked about before that I just naturally cross my arms uh, across my body. And I don't mean it as a way of shutting off. It's just I'm comfortable that way. Um so I've been working on not doing that as much, especially in some of these meetings with other, like when I'm in a meeting with some um, higher representatives or something. So, yeah, but I mean, I, I can see that it is a nonverbal communication, right? So because Brian and Ed don't feel like crossing your legs is, you know, sending a negative signal, that doesn't mean that the person sitting across from us does not see it as that. So I, I can understand kind of that too. But for me, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just comfortable that way, even though it gives that message. But we should be aware, right, of our nonverbal because we may be trying to show warmth, but our nonverbal signals show a lack of warmth and has the opposite uh, opposite effect. It's a it's a again a slippery slope, my friend. Yeah, and it's a combination thing, though. It is. It's a combination of different things. I want to say in the situation, maybe what it's being talked about, because the very next one uh, we're given the idea of give them your kind eyes. And this is what they have to say about this. Kate often describes people as having kind eyes. It's a gaze that some people give that makes others feel warm, accepted, and understood. I have a church leader when I was in high school who had kind eyes, and yet the man was a beast. Despite being in his 50s, he could bench press 350 plus pounds and look like he could rip your head off, but he had the kindest eyes. Even when you felt like the world was falling down around you, he'd look at you and you'd instantly feel like everything was going to be okay. <clears throat> eyes are the window to your soul, and kind eyes are rooted in the goodness of your heart. But there is also a way to enhance the kindness of of your eyes to make sure your inner warmth is shining through. You do it by switching to a softer focus. Instead of squinting and staring a a person down like you're about to punch them, relax your face and open up your focus. If your face feels relaxed, 
around your eyes, you would likely have achieved kind eyes. I, I like to relate the kind eyes thing almost to like uh, like smiling eyes. You know what I mean? Like when you smile, your eyes are a certain way and they're, it's delightful. So, and you can usually tell like if, if you covered somebody's face, everything but their eyes, you could almost tell if they're frowning or if they're smiling or laughing or whatnot. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, so I can tell you with me and my children, you can tell because our eyes close if we smile. So um, <laughs> all, all three of us, both my kids do it. We have pictures where we're all like laughing, giggling, you know, professional pictures taken and nobody's eyes are open. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but Ed, I mean, you've you, like me, you've met people before where they just have like they have like an angry look to them. And it's almost like, eh, you know what? I really don't know if I want to talk to that person, right? Or, or, or you do want to talk to them. It's like they just don't feel like they're connected because they just have an angry look to them. Or you have, also have the people that you're like, wow, they're just so easygoing. And then all of a sudden they, they snap and you're like, whoa, I've never seen that coming, you know? So, I mean, either way. Yeah, you do. Uh, Clint Eastwood comes to mind uh, when he does the squint, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Go ahead, punk. But <laughs> so I've been I've I practice this. I practice not having the kind eyes uh, in certain situations, uh, you know, when we're traveling and we're in a crowded environment. And because a lot of times in Europe, you'll get warned. There's a lot of pickpockets. So I try to have that look like, yeah, I'm not going near him, but it's intentional. And then as soon as we get out of that environment, like a train or a bus or whatever the closed in environment is, then I can relax my gaze and I can have my kind eyes again. So, so, you know, sometimes um, here's a funny thing. You, you've seen my ID card before, haven't you? Yeah, you have. Yes. Uh, so I purposely like so ID cards or if I do command photos, I try to have kind eyes and smile just because I think it's just nicer. I don't know why, but I had somebody tell me once. Well, no, I man, think it's important. You're supposed to give them that mean face. And I'm like, no, why do I want to scare somebody so they won't come see me? No. Yeah, I think that. Uh, so that was one of the knocks on my photos at the Academy. From Sarah <laughs> is. That I was bald and had this stare. And uh, one time, Sergeant Major Sellers was visiting us. And he came to me and he goes, hey, is that your picture out there, Sergeant? And I said, Roger, Sergeant Major. He says, hey, Sergeant, it's okay to smile. It's okay. (laughs) So just kind of a funny thing about the look. And I was supposed to be the uh, suicide prevention non-commissioned officer. And Sarah said, nobody's coming to talk to you. Like not with that look. So yeah, I grew yeah. my hair out and started smiling more. <laughs> That's it, man. And I'll tell you, I think it's working. <clears throat> All right. So now we're going to anticipate some needs, Ed. Giving someone something they might need without them having to ask shows that you're thinking about them. You know how I like to relate this? And and this person talks about giving somebody like a, a pack of five-hour energies or whatever. I think coffee works that way. You give, just give somebody a coffee and you give it to them and they're like, oh, you gave me a coffee. That's awesome. Except for that doesn't work for my commander, Ed. He thinks coffee tastes like chalk. And I told him there's something wrong with his taste buds. How long has he been in the army? Like, well, he's, I mean, he hasn't hit 30 yet. So <laughs> he's on. Yeah. Well, I, so honestly, I didn't start drinking coffee until I was in my 17th year in the army. So 
I, I was a late bloomer. <laughs> no, I just, I think, so, I mean, obviously, and I've tried to argue with him like three different times. I like get different types of coffees made and be like, oh, maybe you'll like this. Or maybe, you know, just to do something nice for him. And every time he's like, nope, still tastes like chalk. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not buying you another thing, buddy. I, forget it. All right. But <laughs> that's, most, that's funny you say coffee. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Brian. Oh, no. In most cases, though, that works on people. If you if you get them a coffee, they're they're really happy. And a coffee doesn't cost hardly anything, you know? So what were you going to say, brother? No, I was going to say that. Uh, so if you look at the next one, that one, that coffee plays into our next one, too. But before we move to that, so the anticipate the needs. I remember. Uh, so this time last year, actually, one of my old platoon leaders was killed in that limousine accident in New York State. And I remember that she used to have the code to my office, right? Uh, we were deployed. We were in Iraq. I had some challenging soldiers. And um, if it was a particular period of time, so inventories was really stressful for me because I was operating as a supply sergeant or what, what have you. I would come into my office and she would have left a monster on my office, on my desk in my office. Like she'll use the code, get in, put a monster. And I knew it was her. She never would admit it, but I knew it was her. So she anticipated like, yep, I know you're having a difficult time, but hopefully this will, you know, ease that a little bit. So, um, and she definitely had great charisma. Her warmth was amazing uh, as a platoon leader slash XO leader. So it, it does help. So I've been on the other side where somebody anticipated my needs and it does give you a boost too, right? So just an interesting thing, but your commander in that coffee, I'm not sure about, but you're, he's messing you up on two of these uh, points on this discussion right now. Yeah. You know what though? The next one, maybe I'll just get him some hot chocolate with marshmallows in them. You know, who knows? Maybe he'll like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the next one is offer something warm to drink. I could see, I could see how that works out because something warm, especially in the, in the cooler months, you know, like, I don't know about, you know, something warm to drink in the, in the dead heat of the summer. I'm, I'm probably going to give you a Gatorade or something. I don't know, but I could definitely see giving somebody something warm to drink when it's a little bit cooler out and how that, you know, cause it gives them that warm feeling automatically. Plus it's a gift at the same time. I mean, Hey, why not? Yeah. And so what this really highlighted to me is his last sentence, uh, this may explain why coffee shops are a great place for first dates and business meetings. All right. I don't know about the first date, but it is a reason probably that a lot of business is conducted in the, uh, in coffee shops because of the warm feeling provided by warm drinks. So, uh, in my own personal life, it's funny. It talks about the, uh, the business meetings in my own personal life. Uh, quite a few years back, we had to meet with uh, a, a behavioral therapist, uh, for our guy. And we met her actually at a coffee shop. It was a Starbucks of all of them. Um, but it's it's funny, like, like it was a decent, like, one, I love to be able to just sit there and drink coffee anyway. So whatever, I, was, I love coffee. Um, but here we are many years later, I mean, almost nine years later, actually, I think eight years later, and we still have a, a great relationship uh, with that individual. And like, matter of fact, I think it was about not even a year, right about a year ago, like she gave my daughter a bunch of American dolls, you know, like in, in, I don't know if you've ever like this American doll thing, like they're really, really, really expensive. I took my daughter to the, we've taken her to the store a couple of times and I 
always shake my head like, how can this cost this much? But she just gave this stuff to my daughter. I mean, that the type of relationship was built. And it's funny because I think back, like when we first met her, it was at a coffee shop. That's where we decided to meet. So I think it built the relationship <laughs> from there. All right. Uh, let's see here. Give a good handshake. I I truly believe to this one. And, and, the, and this is why I'm going to say this. One of the thing, one of the biggest things I uh, and I've said it before on here that I try to do when I shake somebody's hand, I try to I, I try to stand up, but sometimes you don't you can't do it fast enough, and it, it may seem a little creepy if you just bolt right up. So I try to stand up, and usually people will say, "Oh, you don't have to stand up," and I I personally will tell them, "No, I've always been told to stand up when you shake a person's hand," but I always felt like a good handshake kind of. It, it's almost like as soon as you have that, that human contact, that physical contact with somebody, you can almost kind of tell the type of person they are. If it's too if it's too strong of a handshake, you're like, ah, you're trying a little too hard here, right? So now they're trying. Now, but if it's too loose, you're like, ah, I don't quite know if you're going to be able to stand up for yourself or anybody else because that just seems a little too, you know, less. It's just like. Interesting. I'm telling you, it just just test it out. So when you shake somebody's hand, think about how, like how, like for that moment, how it feels. The ones that always bother me are like the sweaty palms. Those are the worst. Like I, those are the ones that I, because sometimes they're a good solid handshake, but then you have the sweaty palm and you're like, oh, I just don't know, you know, the hygiene, whatever. But that's just me. My brain starts thinking about this stuff. I think a good handshake that's firm, yet at the same time, you're not trying to, you know, crush somebody's hand. I think that's just the right handshake. What are your thoughts on handshakes, man? So, very interesting. So, I recently attended a conference with a bunch of um, senior officials from the German military. And when they greet you in the morning, when they come in, right, when they enter the room, they are shaking every hand in that room when they come in. It's a German thing. It's just like... They circulate through the room, literally, like, in order. Um, so I was like, oh, let me take an opportunity to practice giving a good handshake, as learned from this article. Uh, I really focused mostly on on a good, firm handshake with good eye contact with the Germans and then a greeting of the day, good morning, you know, good afternoon, whatever. Um and, and I thought that it went well. Like, I, I thought that, um, you know, it shows some power for both of you. It shows some respect. Now, the, the one thing is, oh, there, it doesn't matter. You hop up. Like, you know how you talk about that kind of it's awkward if you just jump up suddenly. There, it's everybody's hopping mm-hmm. up because you can watch the Germans greet fellow Germans, too, and they hop up. So I'd seen that I was on the opposite side of the room for where they were entering. So once I noticed that, I was like, okay, so no sitting down, then I'll awkwardly jump up too. Uh, the other one that I did mess up. So I did one time. So I got up anticipating the handshake, right? And they shook the people at the table. And I was like in the second row of chairs behind the table. And so now I'm standing there awkwardly. Cause I thought they were going to go like, you know, shake to the table, to the left, shake to the right, shake to the left. No, no, they went all the way down the table, then came back. So I was staying there for a couple of seconds, you know, awkwardly. But lesson learned, right? So because of where I work now, and I'm going to be meeting with a lot of, like, senior military officials from other nations, 
this is one of the ones that I thought was really important to practice. The thing that I also did not practice, but I will next time is if you look, it tells you to, um, uh, where did I see it at? To give them, and extend your index finger onto the inside of the person's wrists as you clasp their hand. Some communication experts believe that by touching someone's pulse point as you shake hands, they will feel more connected. So I think I might try that next time I attend one of these conferences is to try to, you know, extend that. So it, it was, it's interesting. Um, and, and again, it just worked out that I had that conference. So I got to try some of the stuff that we've learned this week. It's funny. You talk about that too. Um, I have um, one of the, uh, the Korean soldiers. He's, he's one of the, it's the, how do I explain this? They call it the rock army here, right? But he's right there. So they talk about the Rock US Alliance constantly. So I, I always say, well, we need to strengthen that, you know, makes so we need to be courteous, courteous with one another. So the first time I, I want to say it was around the first couple times that I ever shook his hand, at first it was just a handshake, right? And then <laughs> there was one time, Ed, I, I shook his hand and then I pulled him in for a bro hug. <laughs> and ever since then, he's been giving me bro hugs. Every time I see him, he gives me a bro hug. Like it's it's so funny too. So, but yeah, um, I definitely think. But what happened was it was kind of like a build up. Like I would get a little closer and closer, and finally I just kind of like bro hugged him once. And now every time <laughs> he he just and it's like this last time he gave me one, it almost felt like he like had his head on my shoulder, and I was like, okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, it just it felt a little weird at the time. So. I try to be a little more. Stu- I'll, I'll try to be more sturdy. I with mean, it. it's good though, right? Like, I, I just I think it's interesting how different cultures see it too. Um, Absolutely, you know the the art of the art of the handshake, if you will. Yeah, and I think that I think that really falls into this next whole thing about make them feel comfortable. The only problem is, is when you when you read this about make them feel comfortable, is you really know don't know if somebody's comfortable or not. You know, what I mean, you can only try. And that's going off of your perception of the situation. Uh, people are in, in eternally grateful for the person who saves them from standing awkwardly alone. One of the best ways to show warmth is to introduce people to those you are with and invite them into the conversation. Also, be able to carry the burden of a conversation in any situation by becoming a master of small talk. People love having someone over to a gathering who they know will keep the conversation going. Now, that one, that so that used to be tough for me, like to, to create the small talk. But what I found was is often with small talk, if you can turn it into some type of laughter, but like for instance, sometimes I'll, just, I'll make fun of myself in a, a weird small way, but not, not enough to like take away power or any of that. It, people seem to be more loose and happy, right? It, if they laugh. And my wife will tell you, so for instance, if we walk into somewhere, we, we go into somewhere, um, like say it's just a large gathering room. And it's a lot of people. She'll tell you, I'll go around and try to like meet everybody in the room. Right. It's just, I don't know. I, I'm like a people person. I want to talk to different people and stuff. <laughs> I think that helps out too, because then once you get to know each little individual, then you can start making connections with different types of peoples. Hey, Jim, come over here and talk to Bob. You wouldn't believe what he does. You, you would totally love this, you know, stuff like that. And then what you do is you're the one that starts to make all the connections for people. And that's kind of the reason why I like to do that is 
now they remember who you are because of how you were able to connect them with somebody else who was of like uh, in some nature as them. You know what I'm saying? It makes sense. I, I like the, and that's why I kind of love this new job too, because I like kind of like getting into conversations, meeting different people, um, you know, and getting that flow going. Now it is a little bit challenging. The small talk thing is something I got to work on because I already wasn't great at it, but now you're doing it with people from other walks of life. You know what I mean? Like small talk to somebody from Greece is probably not the same as small talk to somebody in the United States. And so that's something I, I personally have to work on as I, you know, learn to better deal with other countries. Exactly, man. That's that's a good way to think about it, man. All right, so here's another one. Uh, remembering dates, anniversaries, and details. I think that just comes in with being a personable. Uh, personally, if, you, if you're able to, you know, remember those types of things. But at the same time, I know in our profession, we deal with so many people and you're not going to remember all that stuff. It's, it's just, it's almost impossible. Um, but if you find out, like, for instance, if you find out somebody's birthday was, is today, will be tomorrow or was yesterday or, you know, within that realm, then it's good to point out and say, hey, I didn't know it was your birthday. Somebody such and such told me happy birthday or, you know, um, hey, isn't your, you and your wife had an anniversary next week? Uh, yeah. Well, hey, happy anniversary. I hope you have a great time together. You know, stuff like that. Or what are you doing for your anniversary? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm mean, just small stuff like that. It's commenting on it once you know it, I think helps. I don't believe and, and I don't know how you are, Ed, when it comes to like me, I remember my anniversary and my wife's birthday and my children's birthday. But other than that, there's not a lot more that I'm going to remember. How about you? Yeah, no, I'm not real good. If they're outside of that, my children's siblings, spouse thing and parents, I'm probably I barely remember uh, like, you know, my siblings. But um, it's it's not uh, easy to remember that stuff, you know, for all these people. And as I get older, it gets more difficult, I think to remember those things so that my kids are easy because i had one real close to my birthday so that made it super duper easy so i really only had to remember one but yeah no it's not easy and i've seen people who are very gifted and have great memories that can remember that stuff but um uh, i'm not one of them now i might remember something like oh hey brian you know last time i saw you, you were going on this uh fishing trip how'd that go like something that piques my interest but if it's some uh, not really interesting thing to me, I may not remember that. So that 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 is a little difficult um, to to hash out. You know, I mean, not hash out, but to to remember those little little details, especially anniversaries. Like, come on, man, <laughs> that's I can remember mine. Like yeah. uh, beyond that, you're you're asking for it. Um, yeah. I know my brother's is in October. That's what I know. <laughs> <laughs> I got a month. I'm I'm within 30 days minimum, right? <laughs> I get a waiver. Yeah, that's that's and that is why I love my yeah. electronic calendar that I can have it in there too. So <laughs> helps me out. All right, so hey, this next Oh, well the book the book helps you out too. Uh, I mean, you know. But <laughs> what about giving thoughtful gifts? This one I think when you because you've said a couple of times uh slippery soap I think this can be considered a slippery slope, uh, giving thoughtful gifts. 
it ha- it all depends. It depends on the relationship, depends upon the person. It just depends upon, you know, a lot of different things. And I think you have to be careful with it because, and, and so in our profession, it's pretty much a no-no. You really don't do that. You really shouldn't do this. Um, yeah. But like, then again, it's like, uh, what's the difference between me giving a coffee and giving something else? Yeah. Uh, it's just, you just have to be careful. Right. Um, but like, for instance, if somebody said, you know, they like this particular marker and you're at the supply room and you're getting stuff and you grab an extra marker and give it to them. I don't think that's bad, but it makes it creepy though. At the same time, you know what I mean? Like, I think that would be creepy. Like, why'd you give me that marker? Yeah, no, this is, yeah, this is a delicate, uh, balance ish. And again, it depends on your position, right? So again, for us, if somebody from Germany comes to visit us, right, from the Germany military, we try to get them a coffee mug with our unit logo on it. Just a okay. small little thoughtful gift. So, you know, in that situation, yeah, but I'm not like randomly. And, and you know, I may take, uh, let's say I'm going to get a coffee and I may grab three coffees and take to work for the my, my NCOs I work with something small like that. But then when we start getting the gift gifts, like I had to order this off of Amazon for you, then we're getting into, I kind of think a gray or dark gray area. Yeah. Possibly inappropriate relationship type thing. Yeah. I, I, and that's why like, I'm really, I'm cautious about like giving thoughtful gifts, but then again, um, I'll go back and say, so the, the person I talked to you, I, I mentioned earlier, uh, we met in the coffee shop because, well, she's a behavioral therapist. While we were down in Disney World, there was one of these like little lapel pins that they have, but it was for that movie Inside Out. Do you remember that, Ed? With like all the different emotions and stuff. You had like joy. Yeah, and all- I remember. I haven't seen it, but I remember. No. So yeah. it had like a little lever and the pin actually said, I'm feeling, t- I'm feeling like this today or whatever. And you can move it and you could set it to sadness, joy, anger, all these things. And I told my wife, I was like, that's a great gift to give Jane. She'll love that because, I mean, that's what she does. I felt like that was appropriate. I really did because of the the relationship. And basically, it it involved her profession. So it's something she could actually have her, you know, professionally. And it wasn't, it wasn't too far over bounds. And, I mean, we pay like, I, I think you pay like 10 bucks for those things or whatever. But so... Then again, so it, it wasn't like an intimate gift or anything like that. It was a nice professional, uh, hey, we were thinking about you when we saw this, so we got it type gift, you know. And then take care of things. I think this one, I personally believe this one, it works, but you don't want it to work too good because then people will want you to take care of things for them all the time, if that makes sense. Uh, yes, and yes. It, it could be something like somebody says, hey, I, I meant to get to this and I couldn't figure it out. And you say, oh, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it for you. Well, you have to be careful on how many of those I'll take care of it for you's you throw out there. Because you could, oh, one, you could overburden yourself. And then two, if you do it too much, people think they can just give you stuff all the time. And then now you're going to get burnt out. Uh, so, but you agree, obviously, yes. Oh, a hundred percent, because I mean, I'm not going to give an example, but we'll just say if you take care of things for people and it's a daily task and then you take care of it three days in a row, 
you could now be in danger of making an expectation where now they don't do it anymore. You do it every day. And now it's off their plate. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like Mm -hmm. really slippery slope. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're, You're taking on, you're taking on what should be their daily tasks. Yeah, that exactly right. So I, I find it, it, it's, you have to play with it and don't, you don't do it too much. But if you do it every once in a while, I think it works out. Now, yeah. this and very also, next one, oh, I sorry. think it works. Go ahead. Yeah. So before we move on, the other thing is, you know, there's the old saying about the uh, teacher man to fish, right? So if you had the opportunity, don't, you know, I could take care of your stuff, your travel stuff for you, or I can kick it back to you and say, hey, come see me, log you in and say, here's the problems I have with your travel voucher. Um, you know, this, this, this. So you need to show this. Now you understand the problem and you fix it yourself. So I took care of it, but I also educated you so that you learned something and mm-hmm. bettered yourself. And then I shouldn't see that problem out of you again. Whereas if I just do it for you, it's probably going to be, okay, next time you travel, same error. Next time you travel, I fix it, same error. We're not getting anywhere. You know what I mean, Brian? So I have to I have to aid you in your ability to, uh, you know, for lifelong learning to be able to do your stuff for you. If you know, there's instances, obviously, where I can take care of something. It's not that big a deal. But like when we start talking about procedures and things, those are the things I need to show you, not do for you. I think if you walk somebody through something to help them, I think that takes care of them more than if you take care of it for them yourself. Uh, and I've, I've done that many times. Hey, once you open up that, okay, yeah, just click on that right there. All right, what what are you reading? It? That is exactly what I'm thinking. Okay, do this, you know, that type of thing. Or, hey, grab that wrench. Yep, you're going to use that one. Um, and it makes you go a certain distance. You know, you just keep, you talk somebody through it. I think it gives them a little bit more understanding. Um <clears throat> I think yeah, it's a it's a multiplier, right? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Because if they go through the motions, most of the time, in many cases, they're going to learn from it, or they're going to remember that. But if you're doing the motions the whole time, and and when I say motions, I mean if it's dealing with a computer, if they're moving the mouse around, they're doing it. They're going to remember those movements. If you're doing all of it and they're just watching you, guarantee they're going to forget it. I know they will. (laughs) I've done it. (laughs) So asking for help. This one, I find this is a tool to put in your toolbox for any situation. But I also think you have to know who you're talking to before you ask for the help. You have to, you may want to kind of know the capabilities of that person. um, The things that they are talented in, not so talented in. Uh, the things that they are very knowledgeable on, possibly not so knowledgeable on, because if you go just throwing out asking for help from people, you may put yourself in a disaster where you're actually digging yourself in a hole. Or if you're asking for help, you may be burdening them more than than you know, so you have to be careful about it. Uh, I like to notice what people are good at, and I compliment them. That was one of the steps on what they're able to do. And then I'll ask them, but do you mind if you could help me uh, out with this because I could use your expertise, right? So I'm packaging that up. I'm using all that in one to get somebody to help me with something. 
And I'm also earning their trust because I I showed trust in them that they could accomplish something with uh, for me, with me, uh, for the organization, whatever it is we're doing. Uh, you use that much, Ed? So this is, uh, you know, we've and this is another theme to the show. We've talked about this a lot. This is checking my ego is what this is. Yes. And I've I've seen this recently. Like, so if if you have three people who have been doing the same job for a year longer than you. Right. And now you're thrust into that job and you're just scrambling to try to figure life out in this task that you do, whatever it is. Right. But you will not go to the two guys who have been there longer than you to ask for help. So now you have a reputation as a like a seat of your pants kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like you're a scrambler where the other people have this reputation of they know what's going on. But it's because all it would take is to say, hey, look, man, I'm new to this. This is where I'm at. But I'm not certain on this. And then them to say, oh, you know what? I did that six months ago. And here's how I handled it. It's, it's that simple as to ask for some help, right? You're showing them your willingness to cooperate, but you know, and, and, and that's where that warmth that gets you that, that feeling, that warm feeling, because they're like, Hey, one, you're complimenting them, right? Because you're telling them, Hey, I realize you know more than me. So I could really use your help. And to me as the person who's the more experienced, that's a compliment. You're saying, Hey, you're, you're showing you value what I think. Um, so there's that that connection. But when you just don't ask for help, uh, you know, another old saying, things don't get, problems don't get better with time. And now the things you're doing maybe weren't right. And by the time somebody says, hey, you need help, you're going to take help. Mm-hmm. Right. Those other people have to invest more time in fixing your errors because you took so long to ask for help and had to be forced to take it. So it doesn't get better. And now there's ill will and ill ill feelings in your organization towards you because you waited so long to ask for that help. So, um, yeah, I think that's very, very important to check your ego. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think it definitely uh, it improves upon the person who who you are as a person, too, when you, you're able to. It it shows a sense of humility, put it that way. Uh, and then. Be liberal with thank you notes. Uh, I, to me, it could be just saying thank you. Also, I think if you're liberal with that alone, you know, I I find that just that's showing that gratitude that helps create that warmth that um, that you need to convey with others. Uh, other than that, Ed, there's, I mean, wow, that was that was quite the uh, list of stuff to go over, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and thank you for Brian for taking me on this journey. I'll write you a note later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> however, yeah. talking about a note, it doesn't have to be a note, right? I just thanked you. And I and sincerely, Brian, I, I mean, we're coming up on our year. Um, and I do thank you for bringing me on this journey or asking me to join you on this journey. So that's a sincere thank you. Now, maybe I'll send you a note later from Dublin. Maybe. As <laughs> <laughs> long as you're not sending me a breakup note, I'm cool. <laughs> no. Dear I, John. <laughs> it's my middle name. <clears throat> I know that. Uh, what's that? I knew that. No, I bet you did. Uh, so here, here's something 
on here uh, that the author also wrote in here. I came across a great quote from W.H. Auden on this subject just last week. Human beings are by nature actors who cannot become something until first they have pretended to be it. They are therefore not to be divided into the hypocritical and the sincere, but into the sane and know they are acting and the mad who do not. People who intentionally cultivate their charisma are not fake, nor manipulative, just realistic. Doing whatever comes naturally is given a lot of lip service these days, but it won't actually get you far in life. Always seeking to intentionally put your best foot forward will. Yeah, you know, and just how we figure out how to uh, develop our charisma and by using all these three steps or these three areas with the multiple steps in it, I think we could really uh, capture what it takes. And to tell you the truth, Ed, not everybody has to do all this stuff. But what it is, it's a building block. And if they achieve a certain area, you know, they can start developing other areas. To me, that's that's the way I see it. Um, how, how do you feel about the whole idea of developing your charisma through the presence, power, and then finally with the warmth? So I, I, I agree and kind of disagree-ish. Not really. So the way I see it is, I mean, if you can develop a little bit of each, then you're you start to immediately see a difference. I think you'll see a difference in your charisma because even in the article, it talks um, throughout the articles. It talks a little bit about like being unbalanced could lead to, you know, too much power, not enough warmth could lead to arrogance or seeming aloof. So you want to have a little bit of each, but I think that if you improve yourself a little bit in each of these areas, you'll improve your charisma. And then over time and space, if you continue to go that way, I think that you'll see a, a big difference in how people respond when you walk into a room. Absolutely. And that's the whole point. It's, you know, it's just how do you influence people? And and I think this is just another way to become a better influencer or a better leader, sort of, sort of speak. And to tell you the truth, you know, that part where I'd read about people being actors, I truly believe, yeah, you're an actor to a certain extent until you've perfected that art of sorts. And now that becomes part of you in a sense uh, with, I mean, it could be multiple things. Um, but other than that, Ed, you got much more to say about charisma and, and and the three elements before we let this one go? No, I look forward to uh, working on these things and becoming the most electrifying personality in my organization. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you're already there, my friend. So I wouldn't even worry That's about a- that. That's a Dwayne Johnson reference. I know. <laughs> so, hey, those of you listening, um, if you haven't done it yet, please go join our uh, closed Facebook group and be a part of the conversations. There's multiple that go all the way back to episode one and come all the way up till now. Uh, but go on there and talk about it. Uh, the task this week, the only task I'm going to give you um, is you can work on this warmth thing on your own. But the task is, is once you introduce this show to somebody else, just introduce it to someone. And allow them the chance, you know, maybe pick out one of the ones that you like the best and say, hey, maybe you should give this a try and just introduce it to them and see if they do like it or not. All right. Um, But you can find us at 101 Influence. That's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any of those. Just search that and you'll find us and uh, just join the groups or follow us, whatever, you know, you feel like you could do. Uh, But other than that, 
We have the the website, www.instinctiveinfluencers.com. You can check that out. And hey, feedback. We love feedback. We talked about it during the AAR show some time ago. Uh, we love to hear more feedback about this. Um, and our very next show, very next show, we got some special guests on it. Uh, it was a real fun time. Actually, we recorded this previous to this um, while I was back in the States. And I think it was, a, I thought, I personally thought it was a great time and I enjoyed it. And I know Ed did too. And the two individuals we had on the show, I think they both liked it. And I can't wait uh, to get it out to you all. So please, you'll love it. Uh, make sure you give it a good listen. And then we're coming up on episode 50. Five zero, Ed. I can't believe it. I mean, it's just five zero. We, it's insane, man, that we've done this many episodes and we've, and it seems like we're not stopping anytime soon. The crazy things is how we get new ideas all the time. It's like, how do you fit all these in? Um, but hey, we're gonna keep going and uh, we're gonna keep getting after it. All right, Ed, you ready to go, bud? Uh, I did have one more thing, Brian. I wanted to say. Uh, I wanted to say that uh, it's a great week because this week the Washington Nationals are World Series champions. I just wanted to throw that out there real quick. It kind of reminds me of a meme I saw, and it was it was about them, the Mystic, and another team, and then it had the Redskins. It's like we're well, national, not you, champions. <laughs> you're you're being. Uh, Hold on, hold on. You're being very disrespectful with the other team. That would be the Washington Capitals, who at this point are number one in hockey and the Stanley Cup champions from the year before last. So, yes, I saw it. I've also seen the one where it's like SpongeBob and Patrick, and and he's looking <laughs> down at Patrick, and he's, it's the Redskins, and it says uh, it's like all the the teams that won championships, and then the Redskins are like looking through the grate sadly at them. So maybe one day. <laughs> Not anytime soon. Who knows? I, I'm man. a Redskins fan, but it won't be soon. So, nah, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, so, we'll uh, see what happens. I you mean, I had to mention that World Series. I don't know how much you watched of it, but uh, first time ever that the home team didn't win a game. <laughs> so <laughs> it's yeah. it's odd. Yeah. Well, I I actually yeah I did watch a little bit with my friend. Um, I uh, when it would be on, if it was on, I would just have it on because. I really don't like watching a lot of the other channels of AFN so much. I mean, AFN is not a bad thing. I actually, I think it's pretty cool how they're able to do a lot of stuff and show us a lot of stuff. But usually if there's some type of sports on, whether it's baseball, football, or basketball, I'll, I'll have the channel on that. So, and if it's football, then it's automatically going to be on football. I don't care who's playing. Um, even if it's you know, like Miami Dolphins, <laughs> which they are so bad. <laughs> oh. oh, and yeah. they just, uh, I'm thankful for them being bad because that's the that's the Redskins' lone win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a horrible game too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, did you anyway. see that? It was like the Dolphins are playing somebody, and it's being broadcast on a Cartoon Network this week. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. That that was. Yeah. Which is funny because the Bearded Ninja is a Dolphins fan. I know. So. I feel for him. I. Well, you know, they've had their they've had their times before, a long time ago, but. Anyway, Ed, we're going to close this one out. Uh, All righty. I am Brian. And I am Ed. And this has been the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. We thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.